From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist here at Square2, and uh, this is episode 57 of What's Wrong With Revenue, and a bit of a milestone. I would say two milestones. First, I'm hosting this alone today, so I'm sorry. It'll be just me talking today about our topic, and I'm also calling episode 57 the Phillies World Series episode. So obviously, if you're following baseball, our local team is in the World Series and we're doing pretty well. So shout out to the Phillies. Thanks everybody for being such good fans to, to them as they try to wrap up the World Series in the next couple of days. So uh, in episode 55, we talked about how a system is really critical to getting to where you wanna be. In episode 57, uh, 56, we talked about planning. It is planning season, we're in November. This is typically when companies start looking at planning. For 2023, we've been doing a lot of planning with our clients, getting them ready for 2023. And one of the big questions that always comes up around planning is, what's the budget? How much is it going to cost? What do we need to invest in marketing uh, going into 2023? What do we need to invest to grow the company? Uh, how much of that is sales? How much of that is customer service? All of that is really uh, super relevant to coming up with a budget number. So episode 57 today, we'll turn with revenue. You need a budget and an agreed on investment expectation to drive revenue. So before we get into it, let me do my housekeeping activities. If you wanna check out the show on YouTube, go on over to the Square Two Marketing channel. You can like us, you can subscribe, you can provide comments. We appreciate all that feedback. Thank you very much. Go check it out on the YouTube channel, square2marketing.com. All of the What's Wrong With Revenue episodes posted there every single Thursday. If you're into podcasts, the show is produced in podcast format on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. If you're into audio content, go check us out there. You can subscribe to the show. You can download the show. We recently crossed over a thousand downloads. So obviously someone's listening to the show and we appreciate that. Square2 has a streaming service, a free streaming service called Square2 Plus. It's located at square2marketing.com backslash square2 plus. All of our audio and video content is posted there, including the show. We have channels for CEOs, COOs, CROs, CMOs. We have a HubSpot channel and more. Go check it out. I think you'll really appreciate it. And you can subscribe to Square2 Plus and get notified when we post new content. If you really like just the show and you want to subscribe just to the show, there's a spot on our website in the footer called What's Wrong With Revenue. Click it. You can subscribe to the show. We will email you uh, the show. Um, that we will email you before the show, letting you know what we're going to talk about, and we'll drop a show right in your inbox the next day so you don't have to do much work on your part. You can also submit questions and get it on your calendar and attend live if you're so inclined. So with that behind us, let's get into it. 
what's wrong with revenue? You need a budget and an agreed on investment to drive revenue. And I'm going to start the show by uh, sharing an observation that I think is very interesting to me. Uh, you know that we uh, constantly talk about prospects and the clients that we meet with and talk to on a regular basis. Um, one of the very th first things I ask when I'm on a prospect call is, what's your budget for this? And I'm constantly surprised at the lack of ability to answer that question. We don't know what our budget is. We don't have a budget. We've never had a budget for this before. Uh, and I guess it's possible some of the people sharing that response with us are uh, concerned about giving us a budget number because that might limit our uh, ability to help them or might limit the kinds of solutions we get back to them, the kinds of services we might recommend. They might feel like it will also somehow potentially uh, we, we might judge them because their budget is too small. None of that is true. So if you're ever talking to a provider and they ask you what your budget is, I would highly encourage you to be honest. They're not asking to craft a program that is uh, of a specific number, but they are trying to understand what you, we can do for you for what investment. It's a fair question that I feel like deserves an answer so that we don't come back with a program that's completely out of your budget. We wanna come back with a program that's completely in your budget. And if you tell me your budget is X, but I really wanna hear what you guys think, so don't pay a lot of attention to the budget, that might be a better way to try to get us to honestly answer and provide uh, solutions and recommendations, even though we know maybe the budget is lower than you would like it to be. So, you know, you would never run your business without a budget. You need a certain level of investment based on growth goals, um, lots of times what goes into the budget process is a little confusing to me. You know, just because you did 10 million last year, doesn't mean you're going to do 12 million this year or 14 million next year. So instead of simply, you know, wild ass guessing your, your, your revenue number and the budget associated with it, when we work with clients, we like to really back into that budget number very aggressively. And what I mean by that is, we want to look at specifically where our lead's going to come from. We want to look very specifically at what kind of activities need to be executed to generate those leads. We want to look at what kind of technology is required, what kind of tactics need to be added to your program, what kind of tactics might need to be upgraded or adjusted based on previous performance. Uh, we want to snap a baseline so that we can see very specifically you know, what's working now, what's not working, and what your numbers look like. And all of that information basically gets fed into our thinking about what we're going to do for you, and that produces a budget. And you really ought to consider a similar approach to coming up with your own budget question, your own budget answer, right? So you obviously have a budget for payroll. You have a budget for uh, certain expenses that you incur on an uh, annual basis, your rent, your utilities, your travel is all budgeted out almost every single year. Most companies do an annual budget with all of those things in there. Hey, we spent X last year. We're planning on spending X this year. And your marketing and sales and customer service investments have to be aligned accordingly based on how much you want to grow. So one of the things I hope to do in the show today is talk to you a little bit about very specifically how to back into that number. So you have a real budget for marketing, sales, and service. 
that is based ex very specifically on your desired growth goals. And honestly, it's a mathematical equation that we'll talk a little bit. Uh, I, I may share some uh, visuals with you to give you a better idea of how to maybe go about doing this. And I also want to talk a little bit about how to attribute budget to specific programs. So, you know, this is also not too complicated. If you go to three shows a year, three conferences, and you uh, exhibit at those shows, you know what those costs are going to be, and you've, you've done it previously, so you know what the ancillary costs wrap around the wrapped around the actual show costs are: travel, being out of the office, you know those kinds of things. T and E uh, might be variable a little bit, where the show expenses might be a little more fixed. You know what those are going to be. You should know what to expect from an investment like that. How many leads are we going to get? How many sales opportunities? How many potential customers? What's going to be the revenue from that? And does that number justify the expense of that particular show? And you want to do something like that with all the marketing tactics you're going to be executing. You want to do that with all the sales execution you're going to be doing over the course of the year. You want to do that with all of the customer service things you're going to be doing to provide a better customer service experience or to cross sell up that sell them into additional pro products, uh, whatever that might be. I want to talk a little bit about how to evaluate return on investment because that's something that we hear a lot. What is the ROI? What am I going to get from this investment? I want to talk a little bit about that because I, I think that's relevant to the budget setting process. But that's also important for the evaluation of these particular tactics and what are you getting out of it. Um, I also want to try to stretch a little bit outside of the marketing budget, which is usually typically where we spend a lot of our time. Talk a little bit about the sales budget and the customer service budget because all of that investment should be directed towards driving growth. And then lastly, I'll cover a little bit of, you know, what do you do if you've underestimated or overestimated in the middle of the year? How do you kind of keep that budget dynamic? I don't think this is the kind of thing that you set now and never touch next year. It's more the thing that you estimate now and adjust accordingly over time based on performance and expectations around growth. And then I will do a couple of questions at the end. Uh, again, since I'm on my own today, I think some questions might be good to uh stretch us a little bit in terms of what we talk about. So that's my that's my plan for today. Really appreciate appreciate everybody hopping on. Okay, so hardly anyone has a budget. So how do we go about establishing a marketing budget? How do we go about establishing a revenue growth budget? How do we back into those numbers based on your growth goals for the company? And let's start high level. So growth goals for companies are like fingerprints. Everybody's is a little different. Nobody has the same growth goals. First of all, if you're a $10 million business and you're expecting to be an $11 million business next year, and that's your growth goal, 10%, nothing wrong with that. It's a perfectly appropriate growth goal. The same $10 million company down the road in the same industry, that's the same size, might have a $20 million growth goal, right? They want to do 100% more revenue. So again, no one is going to judge anybody's growth goals. Those are yours and yours independently. And obviously you feel like those are appropriate and attainable. I will tell you that these growth goals have to be appropriate and attainable, meaning uh, going from 10 to $20 million has to feel reasonable to you in some way. Something's happening in the market. You have a new product. You, you acquired a competitor, 
a competitor went out of business, you know, a, a, a 100% growth goal like that would need to be justified by something that's going on, going on in the market. Just like the 10% growth goal for the $10 million company that wants to do 11 million would have to be appropriately justified internally. They are facing a lot of competition. Maybe they're worried about the recession. Uh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe they had some setbacks organizationally this year that they're trying to recover from next year. So again, everybody's growth goals are different. Where that comes into play in terms of setting a, a budget for the, that growth is you can't expect to have monumental growth goals and not invest in it accordingly. Uh, just like you shouldn't expect to have monumental growth budgets if your growth goals are modest. If you want to go from 10 to $11 million, that might require a very modest budget to drive 10% growth. If you're going to go from 10 million to 20 million, you are going to need a very fat investment plan around how you're going to do that. No matter what's going on in the market, doubling revenue in 12 months is going to require a significant amount of investment in one place or another. So how much should the bread box be? That's what I want to talk a little bit about now and specifically go through some ways to help you uh, back into that number. Okay. So let's split the difference, right? Let's say we want to go from 10 million to $15 million, right? That's a 50% growth goal. Yes, it's aggressive, but let's just use that for the sake of argument and what we're going to talk about today. I think you have to first recognize that the $10 million you did in 2022 might not be there in 2023, meaning some people that might have bought things in 2022 are not going to buy them again in 2023. It also means that depending on your business, it might be reasonable to expect a, uh, expect a certain amount of attrition, right? So if you did $10 million in 2022 and $2 million of that is going to leave the business in 2023 because they're canceling their contracts, they went out of business, um, they picked a different supplier, a different partner to, to do some of the things you do. Um, maybe they were acquired and that business is going to a different partner because of the acquisition. Like there are a number of things that could contribute to 2 million of your 10 not being uh, already signed up for and bookable in 2023. And all that means is you don't need $5 million in incremental revenue. You need $7 million in incremental revenue. And that is sometimes something that is missed when people are planning. So now that we need $7 million in incremental revenue, where is that going to come from? So again, for sake of argument, let's say that you sell $500,000 worth of services over the course of the year. To do 7 million, you would need 14 new clients, okay? To get 14 new clients spending $500,000 a year, we have to back into that number. And to do that, I do wanna see if I can show you something real quickly because this will help. And what, we, uh, what we're looking for here is this. So I'm gonna share my screen with you and talk a little bit about this. I think this will help. So you may have seen this in previous shows. Uh, this is, a what we call a revenue cycle model. And uh, 
you can see that this maps out current performance and future performance. And I'm really interested in the future performance piece of it or the desired performance piece of it, because this is where we'll kind of back into these 14 new clients. If I need 14 new clients, we need to look at our close rate, okay? Say for the sake of argument, we have a 50% close rate, which would be good. That means we now need 28 proposals done over the course of the year to get us our $500,000 and our 14 clients, times 14 clients, right? So we don't need 14, we need 14 clients, which equals 28 proposals. Now, not every sales opportunity is gonna go to proposal. So we have to look at how many sales opportunities we actually would need to get to the 24 proposals, okay? Let's use this model here that I'm showing you as an example. So I don't have to do math on the fly, right? This client here wants five new clients a month. They have a 30% close rate. They need 18 proposals. They need 20 solid sales opportunities. By the way, this is a month. So they're gonna do five new clients a month. Over the year, that's gonna be 60 new clients. This gets them to their growth goal. They need 18 proposals submitted every single month, 20 sales opportunities every single month. When they get a sales qualified lead, roughly half of the time, they're a sales opportunity. So they need 40 sales qualified leads every month. They uh, of the marketing qualified leads they're getting, roughly 25% of them are sales qualified leads. So they need 160 marketing qualified leads. And because all of the new contacts they get are not MQLs, they need 200 new contacts, right? Forget the rest of it. They need to generate 200 new contacts a month to flow through these numbers to get them to their five new clients a month, which gets them to 60 new clients for the year, which gets them to their growth goals. So. The reason I'm showing you this is because we want to now take our number of 200 new contacts a month and use that to build our budget, okay? So I'm going to stop sharing. 200 new contacts a month, where are they going to come from? This is how we start to build the plan and figure out what the budget is. So we're going to do email marketing. We're going to get a certain amount of contacts from email marketing. If we're doing paid social, we're gonna get a certain amount of contacts from paid social. If we're doing paid search, we're gonna get a certain amount of contacts from paid search. We're gonna get a certain amount of contacts from organic search. We're gonna get a certain amount of contacts from direct. We're gonna get a certain amount of contacts from referrals, people who refer uh, uh, prospects to our website and they then come into our funnel that way. Uh, the sales reps probably are gonna generate a certain amount of new contacts on their own. We may be doing other activities like conferences and networking. So we have to look at all of the individual tactics and identify how many new contacts they're gonna generate on a monthly basis until you get to 200, okay? 200 is the magic number, 200 a month. So we have to do enough activity to get 200 contacts a month. That's the magic number. When we stack up enough of those activities, we can go back and say, okay, how much is this email program going to cost? How much is the paid program going to cost? How much is the organic going to cost? And, and the costs are associated with not only your paid media for those, but the people responsible for setting those programs up, managing them, optimizing them. The technology required to manage those has to go into your budget as well. Everything that would touch the ability for you to generate those 200 contacts a month goes into your budget. And if as you're stacking up the, all the conference expenses, all the travel, all the T&E, all those things, as you're stacking all those things up, 
and looking at the individual contribution of each of those tactics or channels to your 200 new contact goal, when you get to 200, you might be done, right? And that might be your budget. Or you might say to yourself, look, some of these things might not perform as expected. I want to overachieve a little bit. Program that gets me 300 new contacts a month. And this is what that looks like. And this is what that is going to cost. By overshooting your goal, I'm advising you to build a little bit of wiggle room in there in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. And there will be things that underperform. There will be things that overperform. By building a plan to overshoot your new contact goal, I think you'll be in a better position to hit that goal and then have the rest of that flow through and help your company achieve its overall growth goals. So this is how we would highly recommend you back into your budget number. I need to execute these six things, these 10 things, these 20 things. And again, this is why going from 10 million to uh, 20 million might require 30 things. And going from 10 million to 11 million might require four things. And going from 10 million to 15 million might require 10 things. And you can see now how the budget and the investment is relative to your growth goals. But you want to go back and back into it, tactic by tactic, expected performance by expected performance, so that you have a solid financial investment plan for your marketing going into the year. Now, let's talk about sales real quickly, because that is a little bit different. From a sales perspective, you have to say, I'm going to be getting 20 new, 200 new contacts. That's roughly 180 or 190 MQLs and 120 SQLs. Those SQLs have to be serviced by sales reps, right? An SQL is someone who wants to talk to you. Marketing qualified lead, an MQL might be just someone who's filling out a form on your website and interacting with your content. But eventually we want to push them through and get them to want to talk to a sales rep. When they talk to the sales rep, if there's going to be this amount of flow through every single month, 120 SQLs every single month, you need to make sure you have the reps to support that. Now, doesn't mean you necessarily hire new reps if you don't have the reps to support that. It might mean you have to look at how your reps are functioning from an efficiency perspective, right? So when we're looking at a sales budget, it might be we need to hire two more reps or one more rep or three more reps, but it also might be we might need some rep training. It might be we need some new technology to help the reps be more efficient. Um, it could be we need uh, better sales support so the reps are spending their time talking to prospects and not doing proposals, right? So look at what's going to happen to the sales team when the marketing program executes at or around 100% of expected, and then put together a budget for the sales team that you'll need to support that amount of flow through. Again, my encouragement is not to look at hiring new reps, but how to make the reps more efficient. I'm not saying that'll get you all the way there. You might need a rep or two, but start with efficiencies, right? How do we deploy a lead scoring model that helps our reps spend their precious time with our best prospects based on the prospect's behavior before the rep got there, right? Uh, people who visit pricing pages are very likely to be ready to buy. People that chat conversations on your website have a need and they're looking to go more quickly. Uh, 
people who visit four or five pages on your website are likely to be better prospects than someone re that reads the blog article. So all of that intent activity can be used to create a lead scoring model for your reps so that they are more efficient. Giving them the right tools makes them more efficient. So I would look at both of those kinds of examples of as projects that you might want to budget for in your sales budget, as well as the obvious hiring piece of it. On the customer service rep side, uh, it, there's going to be a similar kind of conversation. Are they efficient? Do they have the tools they need to take care of our customers after they become customers? But more importantly, if we're going to look at customer service as a revenue generation piece of the puzzle, do they have the time to upsell and cross-sell? If we're going to send an email campaign out to all of our customers uh, introducing new products and services we have, do they have the time to follow up when someone calls them and says, hey, I just got this email. I'm interested in this. Can you help me with it? How are you going to handle that? Does that get kicked back to sales? Does sales have time to handle that? Does customer service work on that? Um, I prefer to let the people that have the relationship with the customers and have established trust and authenticity with your customers handle that cross-sell upsell, you, you might feel more comfortable doing it differently, but let's make sure they have the time, which means the budget is in place. You have the right amount of customer service reps and you have the right amount of tools that are helping them be highly efficient. Great example. If they are on the phone for 10 minutes explaining something that they could easily put in an email with a link to an article on their website or a video on your website, that might allow them to handle many more calls than having to answer the question again and again and again and again. Um, also putting that knowledge base and putting videos on your website and, and sharing them with your customer base might keep them from calling customer service at all. And allowing your customer service reps to spend more time with customers who might potentially want to buy more from you. So again, look at that budget the same way you're looking at the sales budget. We gave you a whole different way to think about the marketing budget and together, Building those out should perfectly align those to your um, growth goals. Uh, so with that, let me just take a quick pause here uh, and answer a question, and then we'll get right into some of the rest of it um, as we progress on the show here. I'm just going to grab a drink. So uh, this is a really good question from Larry in St. Louis. How do we know we have enough budgeted for lead generation in 2023? Are there benchmarks or standards? This is a really good question, Larry. So um, how do you know if you have enough budgeted? Well, the first answer is to follow the methodology we talked about, because I actually recommended you actually have an over estimate of budget to achieve your objective. So by planning it out piece by piece, I think you'll have a pretty good degree of confidence that your budget is well thought out and well planned. However, I know really what you're asking here, and that is about like, is this budget reasonable, right? Um, you know, are there any guidelines or uh, examples of how much a marketing budget should be? And the answer is, unfortunately, there are, but I'm not a huge fan of them. And I'll explain it like this. If you Google what's an appropriate marketing budget, you'll get some answers. Some people are gonna say 1% of revenue. Some people are gonna say 5% of revenue, right? Um, I don't think those are really that helpful because again, to, to us, it depends more about what you're trying to do with your business than fitting into some standard that 
some people think is an appropriate marketing budget or, or growth budget, right? Uh, I think this is more about how aggressive do you want to be in terms of growing the company, getting new customers, cultivating your current customers. I think that's more relevant to what your budget should be. And again, the higher those goals, the higher your budgets across all three areas. The lower those goals, the lower your budgets could be in all three of those areas. It might be perfectly appropriate for you to be spending half a percent of revenue, depending on what you're trying to accomplish in the business. If the business is in a mature industry and things are going smoothly and business is coming to you organically, you might not have to invest very much in marketing at all. You might not have, have to invest very much in sales at all. So I don't like... Uh, uh, I don't like these broad brush uh, directives around how much things should be. I, I have the same answer when someone says, well, what should a landing page be doing? I said, well, it depends on what you're offering in your industry and your business. I would say I would much rather look at the current landing page performance and say, how do we make it better? And then work to make it better over time as, as instead of arbitrarily saying this landing page needs to be at 60% conversion rate because I read somewhere in Google that a really good landing page should be 60%. So it's the same kind of perspective. Every business is different. Uh, every business has to look at these answers slightly differently. So Larry, I would not worry about benchmarks or standards. I would worry more about building an appropriate budget for you and your plan and your company's growth goals. Thank you for your question. Okay, so we talked a little bit about backing into the number um, and we talked a little bit about attributing um, very specific pieces of the budget to specific programs, right? We said, if you're going to a conference and you're spending this amount of money, this is what I'm expecting from it. If I'm doing paid social on Instagram, this is how much I'm allocating to that. And this is what I expect to get out of it. So that's a, a big piece of, of how we attribute budget to specific programs. And again, how you can build your budget number and, and specific performance expectations around individual elements of your program. Um, what I want to talk a little bit about our ways to evaluate return on investment, because this is something that we're asked about frequently. A lot of people say, of course, I'd be willing to invest in this if I see the ROI. And I think this is worth talking about because not everything in marketing produces a direct return on investment. And I think not everything in your business is always evaluated based on direct return on investment. Uh, there are things like needing an HR person in your company, right? Needing a financial manager for your company. You're not measuring those people's salaries on the return, the, the specific mathematical return they're bringing to the company. You are measuring your HR person on how happy your people are. You are measuring them, measuring him or her on uh, your your uh, retention rate of employees. You might be measuring him or her on how quickly they can replace open positions. So there, I'm, I'm not in any way suggesting there aren't metrics associated with areas of the company, but you don't always look at well, what's my return on investment for this HR person we just hired? And I I would encourage you to think about marketing in the same way. There are very quantifiable objectives that should be associated with what you're doing from a marketing, sales, and customer service perspective, for sure. And ultimately, those should contribute to your growth goals over time. But a lot of people get caught up in this 
RO, this very cons uh, uh, constrictive and kind of old school ROI perspective to the point where it's actually going to be detrimental to your growth goals. And let me give you an example. You launch a paid social campaign and after month one, it underperforms and you cancel it, okay? The ROI on that program was not there. I wanna cancel it. Okay, fair enough. What about the program that runs for a month, doesn't produce results, runs for a second month, starts to get better, runs for a third month. Now we're at performance expectations. In the fourth month, it exceeds performance expectations. In the fifth month, it's killing it. In the sixth month, it's one of your major source of new marketing qualified leads. You, you almost have to give it that kind of runway before you can start looking at whether something is producing the right amount of results or not. And at that point, maybe you can do an ROI, um, an ROI uh, calculation on the investment over the six months and the return on that. However, going to challenge you even further that good marketing, good sales, and good customer service together pr pr produce an experience that is very hard to quantify and measure from an ROI perspective. And I think it would be better to look at your investment in marketing sales and customer service, not from the lens of ROI, but from the lens of, are we tracking towards our growth goals? Are these programs contributing in, in, in a productive way, in a positive way, in a up and to the right way? And the ones that aren't can easily be shuttered or adjusted and over time, you know, eliminated, right? Not everything you had in that plan that you used to create the budget is going to perform as expected. This is the good news. Those programs that end up underperforming habitually should get stopped and that budget should get reallocated to the programs that are doing as well as expected or even better than expected, right? So um, I'm going to encourage everybody to think a little bit differently about ROI and more about individual performance metrics and tracking and, and, and evaluation from that perspective. Now, there's another concept in marketing that's called uh, attribution, which means we're going to look at a specific program and the, the revenue generated from that, that specific program. And again, I'm going to encourage you to think a little differently about attribution because I am not a fan of attribution. And I'll explain to you why. I don't think good marketing and sales and customer service is attributable to a specific program. And I'll give you an example. The way people buy today. We talked about this company who needs 14 new customers in 2023. Each customer spends $500,000. The buyer journey is going to look something like this. Um, I, 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 I did a Google search. I found your website. I went to your website. I looked around. I downloaded something. I read it. It was very helpful. I went back to work. I got an email from you two days later. I read it. I didn't click on it. I went back to work. I got an email from you three days after that. I clicked on it. I downloaded this other item that you provided to me, a checklist, let's say. I read it. I found it very helpful. I went back to the web. I did some, some searching about your company, found some reviews. I read them. Everything seemed okay. 
I talked to a, a peer of mine about your business. She was aware of you, had not had any direct experiences, but felt like the reputation was solid. Um, I went back to your website, looked around a little more, visited a few more pages, decided at that point I was comfortable enough to try to engage with a salesperson. I filled out a form, the salesperson contacted me, we set up a meeting, we had an initial conversation, the conversation was fine. They emailed me some materials afterwards. We had a follow-up conversation. Everything was progressing. I started to think this company might be a really good fit for us. I brought some other people involved to the next meeting we had. You kind of see where I'm going with this. Eventually, we're going to get to look at a proposal. We're going to look at a contract. We're going to have some contractual conversations about how we're going to work together. We might negotiate terms. And finally, after all of that, that is over, and that may have taken two to four months, we might have a new customer. How do you attribute the revenue from that new customer to all of those things that happened? Was it just the first paid search ad? Was it the, or, or, or I think I said organic, was it the organic search that should get this revenue attributed to it? Was it the salesperson who did obviously a very nice job working with me to, to get me to the finish line and get the contract signed? Should we attribute it to the website where obviously I spent a decent amount of time looking around? What about the reviews I read? What about the person I talked to about your business? They had nice things to say about you. They certainly didn't, didn't uh, detract it off from my continuing to discuss with you. Where do you attribute that revenue? All those things came together to contribute to that deal getting closed. So I don't want to attribute revenue to one specific thing. I want to contribute, I want to attribute revenue to the entire thing. And that makes revenue attribution a little challenging. So I, I would prefer we think about, you know, what are our goals, our business outcome goals, which is not to just track revenue attribution, but to drive a closed sale, a new piece of business, a new customer booked revenue, and then look at everything we're doing. And, and make sure that that is contributing to these uh, very specific business outcomes. In our example here, signing new clients for $500,000, specifically signing 14 of them over the course of the year for $500,000 each, right? What if we start to realize we're, charged, we're, we're um, signing $300,000 contracts? Well, we need to figure out how we can catch up to collect that additional revenue because we didn't have a new customer goal, we had a new revenue goal. So. I'm more of a fan of looking at, at performance that way. And then this gets us back to the individual performance of the individual programs. Are they contributing? They don't have to be revenue contribution positive. They just have to be contributing to the overall experience and the overall goals for the entire program, okay? It gives you a much more holistic look and perspective on what you're trying to do with marketing, sales, and customer service, as opposed to spending your time trying to get the revenue attribution model to work or the revenue attribution dashboard to look good. I don't always feel like that's super productive, okay? So um, we talked a little bit about, I think that's very constructive. If anyone has any questions about that, you guys are all always open to email me, mike at square2marketing.com. Let's take a quick question here and then we'll go into our last little sprint here. So, um, okay, can you talk about revenue? Okay, well, we talked about this. How accurate do you expect marketing budgets to be? This is a really good question. Uh, aren't they ranges? And don't they change frequently? So this is Donna in Los Angeles. Donna, thank you very much for your question. Um, 
Yes, it's a great point. Uh, marketing budgets are, are estimates, right? And with estimates come, you know, pluses and minuses. Some things you will underestimate, some things you will overestimate, some things you'll get right on the money. Like if you've done a conference every year for 10 years, you're going to have a very good idea of what that conference costs from an investment perspective. This is the first year. You might know what the sponsorship costs. You might not know of the any, you might not know any of the other costs. You might not know what the, the air is going to be. You might not know what the hotel is going to be. You might not know what the meals are going to be. You might not know how much client uh, entertainment you're going to do. You might not know what the shipping on the booth might will be or the storage or the electrical. Like you're just going to know a lot less when you do something the first time than when you've done it 10 times. The same is going to be true if you're running specific campaigns. If you've been running a paid campaign on Instagram and you know exactly what it's going to do for you because you've been doing it for three years, yeah, lock it in. You know what the budget's going to be. You know what to expect from it good to go. Most of the uh, clients that we work with, most of the companies that we work with have not done these kinds of things before. So when we're talking about budgeting for the first time, it's very fair that the budget is going to be an estimate and something that we have to work with on a regular basis. Now, what that means to me is every single quarter, we're going to kind of evaluate our budget and we're going to look at it and be like, how did we do? Were we under budget for the first quarter? Were we over budget for the first quarter? How important is it to the company that we stay on or under budget? Is the company okay if we go back and say, hey, we're a little bit over budget. Um, is that going to be good with you guys? We, we were showing good results, but we're a little bit over. Is that okay? Yes, you're good to go. Okay, great. I'm not saying spend, you know, like a drunken staler, but, you know, going over a little bit is obviously not an issue in this particular company in this particular year. Um, so I'm not going to worry too much about it. I'm going to manage to my budget. I might have to adjust my budget. So if the CFO goes, no, I'm sorry, you went over by $5,000, you got to make it up. Okay, fair enough. I'm now going to look at my second quarter budget and find out where I can pare it back. And because I don't want to go over again, I might pare it back a little more than $5,000 with the understanding that there are probably going to be unknown expenses that pop up in the second quarter, just like popped up in the first quarter. Okay, so yes, that budget um, uh, a setting process, that budget adjustment process, that budget optimization process probably is something you need to look at on a monthly basis and perhaps um, perhaps adjust it on a quarterly basis. So that would be my approach to dealing with your budget uh, and, and, and going about being very proactive with the budget. One thing you don't want to do is wait till the end of the year and realize you went over by $100,000. Obviously, that's not going to be good. I don't think anyone's going to be very comfortable with you in that scenario. So being more proactive about it, and being more active in its management is going to be what we recommend. Again, if you underestimate or overestimate, there are ways to adjust to that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, let that concern you. I would just use that to decide, okay, if I'm over, uh, I underestimate it and I'm over what do I have to do to, to bring it back in, rein it back in, right? And again, you might have to rein it back in to cover where you went over and then manage that more, more closely going forward. Uh, lots of times, and, and we may see this next year, marketing budgets, sales budgets sometimes come under the ax when, when we're in a recession, when times are difficult financially, you know, marketing is often uh, asked to tighten their belt. So, you know, you may find yourself in a situation next year where you're going through your program, looking for places to, to cut costs. And again, I would start with those programs that are performing 
less effectively than those that are really killing it, right? You may, and you may be running some programs that you're waiting and waiting and waiting for it to turn around. It might even be showing positive results. You might not have the luxury of letting that continue. You might have to go in and, and just cut that. And again, if it's not performing, it's not going to impact your numbers much anyway. You may be may have been pounding on its performance down the road, but right now that particular piece of it is not performing. You, you wouldn't be uh, needing to cut back any expectations if you were ha had to take that out. When someone comes to you with 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 a request to cut a large scale of your budget, I think it's now appropriate to go back to them and say, "Okay, that's reasonable. I understand. I have to do that. We need to reset expectations around performance." If you're asking me to cut 50% of my budget, I'm not going to be able to produce 200 new contacts every single month for the rest of the year. It may slowly dwindle down. It's not going to go from 100 to 200 to 50, but it may go from 200 to 180 to 150 to 120 in a couple of months. I want everybody in the organization to be prepared for that. You know, sales is going to have less to do. Perhaps there's some adjustments that need to be made in sales as well right? Everything is interconnected. Remember, it's that full experience from click to close. All of that has to be taken into consideration when you're looking at these budget, having these budgetary conversations, okay? Um, I got a, a, one more question and then I'll wrap up. Um, this is from Alice in uh, Portland, Oregon. Are there any ratios between budget and expected results? Alice, it's an excellent question. And um, I think I know what you're asking. And when you say ratios, I think you mean, is there a relationship between budget and expected results? I do think that's, that's a very smart question to ask. And my answer to that would be yes, but you're not gonna likely have that if this is your first budget exercise. So I can't tell you that for every $100,000 you invest in marketing, you should expect a million dollars in 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 results, right? Or for every hundred thousand dollars you invest in paid, I can't tell you you should expect a hundred leads or a thousand leads or ten thousand leads. I think if I was a doctor and you came to me for help with a condition, I would say this is my experience. This this is my recommendation. This is your treatment plan based on my experience treating other people like you for twenty years and having very good good results with the people I've treated. However, everybody responds to this treatment plan a little bit differently. So it's not about, you know, when are you going to get better and how, how quickly are you going to get better? Uh, it's more about, let's see how you do on our treatment plan. And then I will make some adjustments to this treatment plan to get you better as fast as possible. So again, uh, you know, what, what works for one company is not going to work for another company. So it's more about Let's go into this with a clear set of expectations, with a well-funded program. Let's start executing it and let's see how we're doing and let's make adjustments accordingly. There's optimization that can be done to improve performance, which should be done. There's reallocation of money that will likely have to happen over the course of the year when something is not working as expected. Let's move that to something that is working, expect, working as expected. So I don't think you should go into this thinking there are any ratios between budget and expected results. My hard and fast advice is to build a customized program for your business that aligns the expected results for individual tactics in both marketing sales and customer service with the growth goals for the company. 
That is the best methodology you could possibly take into this budget setting process. And again, we do this with lots of companies, lots of uh, times, especially this time of the year, we're working with all of our clients to talk about goals and investment for 2023. If you want to reach out to me, I'm happy to help you work through this and potentially even you know, look at budgets that you're planning and expectation, expected performance from individual pieces of it, happy to do that, okay? So um, with that, let's wrap up for the day. I feel like we talked a lot about this budget setting process. I think it's something that is very germane to everybody at this time of year. Um, yes, it's possible this year we might be looking at some extra economic conditions that might make the budget setting process a little more challenging. But if you follow the methodology we outlined during the show, I think you'll have a very good framework for setting your own budget. I think you'll have a very good handle on what you're gonna be executing and its expected performance and the required investments. You can go to your CEO, you can go to the board and say, this is what you've asked me to do. This is what I'm gonna be doing. This is the money I need to fund this. Let's get going, right? And over the course of the year, I will report back to you on how we're doing. It's very likely we'll have to make some adjustments based on actual performance versus estimated performance, but I'll keep you in the loop on that. And I will make sure that we come at or under budget. And if for some reason we're not going to, you'll be alerted to that. Fact. That I don't know anyone who would have a problem. I don't know any CEO that have, would have a problem with that approach. I don't know any board that would have a problem with that approach. It's quantitative, it's measurable, it's attainable, uh, it's repeatable it's trackable. So you have very smart goals related to the investment you're asking for and the budget you're putting out there. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate your time and attention today. Um, if you're interested in the show, go on over to square2marketing.com. Um, you can click on the link at the bottom, what's wrong with revenue. You can subscribe to the actual show there. You can be alerted to upcoming episodes of the show and we will email you the show the next day. If you want to check out our streaming service, go to square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. The show will be posted there. There's actually a What's Wrong With Revenue channel, as well as channels for CROs, COOs, CEOs, CMOs, and an entire technology channel related to HubSpot and other marketing and sales-related technologies. Uh, if you want to check out the show on YouTube, go on over to YouTube. The square2marketing.com, the square2marketing channel is there. All the shows are posted there. There are other videos there as well. And if you're into audio, content like podcasts. The show is produced on all your favorite podcast platforms. Head on over to Pod, um, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Podbean, and you can subscribe to the show and get the show in its audio format. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate everybody dealing with just me today. Next week in episode 58, we're going to talk about what to expect when you start a new revenue generation effort. This is key. We're getting towards the end of the year. We're going to be starting some new things in 2023. Setting expectations are critical. Thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. Thank you.